Hey hello and welcome to the Right Room podcast. My name is Rupan Paul and you're listening to episode number 15. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a great episode for you on the podcast today. Sandeep Rao is on my podcast and Sandeep Rao is India's only partially blind comedian and is one of the funniest comedians to come out of India and I'm so happy that I had this conversation with him. We talk about his run of shows, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival which he did last year. We talk about being happy, we talk about not selling out as an artist and about offensive comedy. So there's a lot that we covered out in this podcast and I'm so happy that I finally put I'm putting this out because I recorded this way earlier sometime after I put out episode 11 and I got down to edit editing it and I'm finished editing it and I'm really happy to share this with you all so I hope you guys have a fun listen this is episode 15 of the right room podcast today is a very very special episode because I'm in conversation with my favorite Usually I say one of my favorites but my favorite comedian Mr Sandeep Rao who is a radio presenter stand up comedian uh, a writer not so much not so much, not so much. <laughs> but Sandeep Rao thank you so much for being on my podcast thank you Rupin uh, pleasure to be here and considering I'm your favorite a uh, comedian i'm on episode 11 so <laughs> no matter yeah because i can't be like i can't do episode 1 with you i thought i'd do episode 1 with you but then be like no let me just practice a little bit before i interview the man <laughs> well, we'll go with that excuse <laughs> <laughs> anyway you you're now you're now doing radio as well right you're doing radio after uh, how long have you been stand doing stand up just stand up alone uh eight years eight years so yeah. so and you started radio last year last september yeah so how has it been like after eight years you have to take like another job with I mean, stand up it shows how well my career has gone in stand up <laughs> so i finally have sold out to mass media and uh doing radio um it's strange how radio came up though because you know my mom has always been telling me do radio you have a radio voice and people are like you have a good voice for voice overs etc yeah and um the problem with anything is when you get into a mainstream form of media is if you do it on their terms they're going to fuck you over right. but even with them inviting me to host a primetime show now i have realized that it's so important to look at your contract because i just glossed over s- certain clauses and i'm getting screwed so badly right now like <laughs> wow. for instance my priority was stand up and it's still stand up and now i'll talk about the balancing of the two in a bit right. but just basically like uh when my earlier contract was drawn i said irrespective of what the radio show is i have to go for a stand up show i have to go so i'll record and i won't be in the studio that's considered as the show done right yeah. but now they've changed the clause without me knowing and if i even leave for a stand up show after recording the the radio show they'll deduct my uh, pay for that day wow so small things like that which are you take for granted right but mm. i'm just telling whoever's listening now if you're getting into uh, contracts with organizations be it um a management company be it a, a television like a platform like netflix or amazon or whatever just be really ca- careful of the contract you draw up because they can really fuck you over with that but i think artists are one of the few people right like we can actually have the liberty to say no to contracts but people who have corporate jobs just have to go with whatever contract they get they Not don't really i think artists are as subject to contracts as non artists because the thing is that the biggest thing which an artist has to offer be it a musician or a comedian or a, a writer or a painter is our content right mm-hmm. and they want that because that's the only way they can make money over and over again like you can say yeah it's one joke but that one joke can be milked for years right right so uh, i think americans have got it right and mm-hmm. i think that's the important reason you have to have a good manager or a management company who looks out for you 
because trust me, no Amazon or Netflix is going to be like, hey, you know, let's make sure that Rupin's uh, interests are safeguarded. No, no one's going to give a shit about that. Over, yeah. so here's the thing, like I think in India right now, right, we have a lot of artists, but very little management. Mm-hmm. So why do you think there's so little management? I mean, comedy is new, you know, it might be eight years old in India. Right. The scene is very new. It's very scattered. It's very uh, volatile. And people are still figuring it out. Like we might say, oh, OML's got their shit sorted shit together, out. Yeah. But not at all. Like they just sort of got it in at the right time. Mm-hmm. And they got the right people at the right time. So it looks like they've got their act together. But they're still clueless in many ways. Yeah, you might look at the fact that they have the four or five biggest comedians uh, influencers yeah, on influencers. their roster. You know, mm-hmm. from Sumuki or Malika or whatever. <laughs> Tanmay, etc, etc. But um, they're still not doing a lot of things that comedians abroad do. You know, I, I can't really specify what it could be. But right. like landing uh, movie deals maybe or getting them uh, international tours. Yeah, I mean, you might say oh, this guy went. No, but as a general practice, a management company should be throwing you out there a lot more. You can't rely on that person's influencing capability and then get them projects. Mm, right. You're just sort of filling the gap. Yeah. And that's pretty much what OML is doing. They're just filling the gap. And obviously companies like Amazon will approach them because it's a one-stop shop. Correct. If Amazon has to reach out and do their research, which they're lazy right now, they're like <laughs> instead of like me going and do some talent scouting in Bangalore, in in or Kuta, across the country, in, yeah. yeah, in tier two cities, they don't want to do that right now. They just want to throw money at the problem, saying, "Hey, these guys have twenty comedians. Let's give them X amount of rupees and say, let's get twenty specials." Wow! And that's why, if you notice, last year nine out of ten, I mean, seventy percent was shit. Yeah. Because none of the comedians had a special. They just sort of put together a compilation of their one hour of material. And just gave it a name to sort of make it a theme. Yeah. Except for maybe I think uh, Biswa wrote a new one. I think Kanan wrote a new one. Zakir apparently was good. Yeah. But the rest didn't even like make an effort. It was just so half-assed. And yeah. like some guy, Varun even did like a character, you know. <laughs> and it's fine, you know, it's, it's to each his own. But they weren't specials. They were just a compilation show. Compilation of jokes, yeah. right? Right. So when you write your special, what, what do you look into? You, do you have a common theme? Or do you, um, do you tour this theme? Do you work on it regularly, mic- night after night? Well, honestly, the first two... Um, shows were just compilation right. and in retrospect I gave it a theme which is easier <laughs> but Blurred Lines which I wrote for Edinburgh was a journey of self-discovery or as I put it in those three lines it's a story of how a misfit made peace with the world right. an insecure guy who made peace with himself and a blind guy who finally opened his eyes right so and this uh, and this which you wrote only for Edinburgh I wrote it for there Right. I mean, then again, it was a, it started off as a bit compilation of bits, but then it took shape a little bit before Edinburgh, but during the run of Edinburgh, because I realized uh, the biggest uh, learning I got from that show was it's a story of blame, right? Mm-hmm. I blame my parents for being a misfit because uh, one of my visual impairment, I blame them saying, you know, because of that in my early on years, I was like, hey, you know, your uh, indiscretion maybe is because I have this disability. Yeah. And then I blame them uh, for being a misfit. Not so much, you know, going, even though I'm Kanadiga and I went to a school in Bangalore, yeah. I don't connect to 80% of the Kanadigas here because, you know, people like people from Jayanagar, Baswan, Gudi, they think in Kannada. <laughs> yeah, correct. I think in English, yes. which is a privilege. You yes. know, it's a privilege which gives me access to a lot of parts of the, the world. Correct. But in my own city, in my own country, I feel like sometimes I don't relate to a lot of people. Because maybe I don't speak Hindi. And even though I speak Kannada, in the Kannada community, I can't do Kannada comedy. Correct. So in that regard, I feel like I'm a misfit, which is totally fine. I'm not blaming. It's actually good blame. Because, you know, <laughs> it's going to be different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the show starts with that. And then I go to the end of the show where I basically blame myself for, for a lot of things. For, in fact, blaming 
itself, I blame myself. I'm like, there's no point. Because the more you blame others, I read this really nice quote, the more you blame others, the sadder you'll be. Correct. Because you're not taking responsibility for yourself. And then you're not going to help yourself get better. Yeah, you're not. And the show basically ends up saying that I am an asshole. And I'm coming to terms with that. And um, now what I'm trying to do is that I've realized that my disability is not uh, an inconvenience. It's not a disability. It's an inconvenience. Right. I might not be able to drive. I might not be able to read. But I've got other ways to doing it. I've got assistance. I've got a computer. I've got technology. I've got a driver. You know, so it's all... And now a dog. And a dog, yeah. (laughs) So it's more... In fact, the other things in my life which are more of a disability, like my uh, acidity I talk about, (laughs) is more of a disability because on a day-to-day basis, it bothers me. Right. And uh, talking about this disability thing, right? uh, Someone the other day said, dude, you're not famous right now because you're not milking your disability. That's yeah. that's quite a that's quite a shitty way to say something. But people do that, you know. And I, that brings <laughs> me to the point that two things, right? One is my disability uh, is not life threatening. There are yeah. people who I know who have breathing issues, which is a disability. It's a dis- yeah. it's a it's a, a dis- not a disease, but they're born with that. And every day they might not wake up. Right. No, I can't milk it because the most important thing I think for a person who's um, transgender or disabled or gay or whatever you want to uh, groups you want to identify yeah the most important thing is living a life of dignity now mm-hmm. if i milk the disability two things happen i take a strip away my dignity and it's an insult to the people who actually have a life-threatening disability yeah because so i'd be like hey we are actually going through some more sh- like more painful exactly shit. so i don't want to milk that you know and in fact i want to be the person who's talking about myself i don't want to be in any shape or form the representative for the disabled community or the blind community. Right. It's not fair because I don't know 99.9% of them. Correct. I might not even be in the same position. I might have more privileges. I might have less, whatever it may be. But I think that's the most important thing. I am Sandeep Rao. Yeah. And these are certain things I have in my life. I am visually impaired. I am from a particular background. I am from a particular school of thought. So let's identify that particular brand. Yeah. And let's identify that particular human being as opposed to sort of generalizing them into a category saying, oh, he's Kanadiga blind and Brahmin and disabled. And let's yeah. not make them into labels, you know. Correct. Yeah, but you come across as like a happy person. Like you seem to enjoy life. Was this like always the case or did you come to a realization that now I do not need to be this sad and just enjoy life? Well, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually working on being happy uh, <laughs> because, you know, you can't be happy all the time. Correct. And I think uh, I'm definitely a lot less happy than when I, when I was a child. Because I didn't know as much. <laughs> oh, right, right. So I think the problem is definitely I do have stress and anxiety. And anxiety is something which is passed on in the family as well. Okay. But, um, you know, th- there are definite, uh, you know, fears, I'd say, which translate to anxiety of where will I be? And in this business, especially to compare yourself to others. That's very, very uh, uh, precarious. You know, you do it every day. Correct. Like uh, I'm, I'm in this for eight years and I see guys who've been doing it for five years shooting past you with uh, viewers, success and deals. So that tends to bother you on some level, but it shouldn't take over your life because what tends to happen then is that, first of all, we are so self-obsessed as comedians. So always our ideas, our premises, will this work, that work. So if you're in a relationship with someone that gets hard, because then you kind of (laughs) sideline their, you know, their needs. So I'm trying to make a conscious effort not to do that. So being in a relationship helps in that way. You have to work it out because there are a lot of uh, times when you're like, but no, it's just me and my career. And then your wife's like, fuck off, dude. I have needs. Take care of me as well. You know, you can't yeah. keep expecting them to take care of you. Right. But did you find it hard like when you were first in a relationship because we were like only about comedy, like comedy, comedy, comedy. And I mean, then you eventually learned it. It's still a learning process. So All there right. are good days and bad days, huh. but it's a lot better. You know, you have to just sort of make that conscious effort in your uh, thought process and your actions to consider other people's emotions. 
and not just like oh will this work on stage uh, will i get more shows will i become famous will i get a netflix special you know yes 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 these are i mean i i keep saying this like the most important thing is just keep being funny and right. keep being good at being funny and the byproducts or like fame and money will come however hard it's to hear that <laughs> i still sometimes don't believe in that but i keep reminding myself it's not just getting like the netflix special that is you know one of the benchmarks in your career but if you keep doing it well you will get it eventually right so just stay at it stay at it and stay at stay it. it is very demotivating but you have to stay at it otherwise if you fail uh, and you get let go i mean that's also another thing i'll talk about too many these fucking videos like failure is the best motivation <laughs> failure is hard man and you can't always bounce back sometimes i just want to give up because i wrote the show for edinburgh last year did a, a decent run there got yeah. laughs from predominantly non indians mm-hmm. came back and it was still the same vicious cycle like you know go to take five on monday three people watch you and the only talk conversation over there is did you watch kanan's amazon prime did you watch <laughs> oh kenny's thing so it's a very toxic environment yes yes that's why i sort of uh, reiterate that point of stay at it and don't worry about other people's success and don't constantly only talk about like how shit they are how could they get such a uh, a deal if they so shit yeah. because you 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 in that time you rather do your thing no yeah you you rather like look there's at no you. point sitting in the back of take five bitching everyone out and going on tanking on stage <laughs> you know and that's just uh, you're kind of like re- shooting yourself in the foot yeah i think that's very important right like who you surround yourself with uh, absolutely because it's very important you know you rather not surround yourself with anyone if it's going to be those kind of people yeah so do you um, do you make a conscious effort like the friends you choose like here yeah I, i do nowadays i do yeah um there are people i can uh, drink with right. and there are people i can hang out with and there are people who i can do shows with right and yeah, there are people yeah. who just say hi with <laughs> that's i don't I mean. even bother anymore <laughs> that's advantage of not being able to see you just pretend that they weren't there <laughs> that's the best yeah like you make me feel like i should have this disability now it's awesome. inconvenience it's now. awesome dude yeah it <laughs> <laughs> fuck a ugly chick pretend she's hot you know i mean that's right in the past <laughs> that's so interesting so there's uh, this i think the fringe was like last year how many shows was that uh i did about it was from the 3rd of august to the 26th of august i think uh okay. 3rd, 4th 5th 6th yeah 27th of august right I mean, not, it's not that important it's almost like an almost an entire yeah, month it's almost 4 weeks yeah 4 weeks and how uh, many shows were those i think i did i took 3 mondays off and i had two no shows so okay. i think that was about 21 or 22 one hour shows wow and about 35 to 40 spots oh my god that's mm-hmm. a lot of stand up it's a lot of stand up that is a lot of stand up so how but but all of this like you pay for the tickets yourself to go to the yeah, fringe yeah it's a bloody fucking expensive uh, commitment dude <laughs> I mean if you ask me I think I cl- because my wife traveled with me so we obviously didn't want to stay in like in a dormitory right, we wanted to stay in a nice place because that's important to come back to a safe place yeah. a clean bathroom a yeah. clean kitchen so you can make your home uh, food yeah. and um, you can't just keep eating out because all those things add right like if you drink too much eat unhealthy huh. you don't have exercise you don't have a nice peace peaceful environment to sleep in wake up you're going to get fucked because it's like a marathon yeah. it's like almost like you know when people train for a cricket tournament or a a tennis match yeah. you have to have your nutrition your workout your exercise all that right Correct. so it's similar because it's almost like an endurance test hmm. and also and you can't be that hard on yourself right like going on stage on, on for an hour and then come back to a really shitty shack you can't be hard on yourself you need to like, take care of yourself so it's expensive yeah. and i think i spent close to 9000 pounds wow for those 30 days so when you when you like put in so much of money into stand up right <laughs> so do you i looked at it as an investment not just to have returns Right. But I looked at it as an investment to learn, mm-hmm. and that I definitely did, did. You know, you learn not just positives; you learn negatives as well. That there are people out there in those nine thousand comedians who steal jokes. A wow. lot of them steal jokes. Wow! And and uh, you can you can spot them out, like mm-hmm. you can, huh? But these people are not called out. Uh, no, 
because audience <laughs> doesn't know. I mean, of course, it gets to a level where if it's like rivalry, then people will call out like how that Carlos Mencia should happen. Yeah. But there are joke thieves everywhere. Uh, there are people who are doing comedy, will keep doing comedy 30 years down the line and they have no ambition. They keep doing the fringe. I'm not saying the fringe is no ambition. Yeah, but if you're just doing the same thing, any yeah, anything, and they're doing the, the same, same show way. every year. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, they'll do the same show every year. Huh. There are people who are just doing comedy like, oh my God, you know, my friend said I'm funny, let me do this. And you can do that. You can just go do sports for the rest of your life and people are happy to do that. So I think I learned that I don't want to be stuck in that rut. Right. Uh, well, I'll just have one more point. The other point is, of course, there's a lot of politics as well. Like mm. there are, uh, you get ratings by reviewers, right? So that also, if you know the right person. So these person, are not people who just come to watch a show. They're like paid to review. Uh, they're, they're part of uh, publications like the Scotsman. Uh, they're two, three people. So you write to them. Mm-hmm. And supposedly it's a democratic process where they will just come based on their availability. But I've noticed with the awards, uh, with the best thing, they, there, are, they, there, are, there is definitely, it's a lot of merit based. But if you know the right kind of people, you'll at least get your show reviewed. Wow. So it's, it's not completely fair on based on no, merit. No, it's not completely Do you think like stand-up is fairly just based on merit? Uh, no. It's it's how how much how much a percentage do you think is just being funny? Mm. There were guys who were like tremendously more funny than Jimmy Carr or Frankie Boyle at the festival, but no one knows them. Right. So it is. I'd say. See, you, you know, you have to definitely convert your fans by being funny. But you know, you 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 go on a thing saying I'm writing intellectual humor, dark humor, and then someone comes and crushes with like shitty internet jokes. <laughs> the audience doesn't know. Right. And so a booker so would just look at someone who's getting more laughs. Yeah, that's what it is. Wow. I mean, the comics will say, oh my God, he's a comics comic, but will the comics pay your bill? <laughs> no, right? I mean, a comedian might introduce you, like if I have a good rapport with someone who uh, appreciates my material in Hollywood, yes, they will pass it on, but you must remember, a comedian's never going to pass on something at the risk of uh, that other person outshining them. Yeah, so are you saying, uh, because I think there are two types of comics or two types of people in any industry, right? One is someone who has like goals, like this is where I want to be after a couple of years or this is where I want my career to take me. And there are people who are just saying, let me just be good at it and let me see where it takes. Yeah. So what do you think is, what do you think in your opinion is the correct way to go about this? There's no correct way of doing it. It's your personal choice. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that thing, just saying, let me be funny day in, day out. Just put out good material. Right. But that doesn't work, man. Because... um, you need to have a marketing plan in place. You got to think bigger than just your jokes. Right. And uh, these are things I'm learning now, eight years into it. And you've got to learn from everywhere, you know, be it a younger comic, be it, um, you know, a hack. Just learn from as many people as possible. Right, right. And uh, being a brand is very important because it sustains your income as well. See, if you're only doing stand-up, it's very volatile. You'll have good months, bad months. And even if you tour 10,000 seater every week, you can't keep that up for more than six months because you get tired, material gets run out, and you have to again wait for another one year to do that, you know? Yeah. So it's so exhausting you, after a while. It's exhausting, emotionally very exhausting. Yeah. So when you work as a brand, you can think of other things to do. Look at your core strength, which is being funny. Maybe use your voice, maybe use your charm, maybe use your acting, maybe use your looks. So develop other things as well. If it means have a part-time job as a writer, do that because, you know, if you don't have money, you're not going to have the... the, the strength to do shows this whole idea of like being broke and being hungry and what do you Dude, say about that, that sounds romantic it's very hard though man <laughs> it sounds very romantic like oh my god you know i should sleep under the staircase yeah i mean honestly like that but all those stories come from people who are making millions now yes mm-hmm. yeah but like and when you're still broke and hungry 
yeah. like uh, it's still broken hungry you know i'm going to yeah. get his voice yeah i i think that'll kind of demotivate you also when it's mm-hmm. after a point then you then you stop enjoying what you do yeah, and it yeah, just becomes a burden which is stories you only hear from the rich <laughs> <laughs> yeah you never hear it from someone who's actually going through it no <laughs> because it's no one wants to tell respect right the struggles really good in retrospect right right so you you on stage you are a live act like you prefer being a live act as opposed to being funny on videos mm-hmm. right so is is this uh, that, that, i don't prefer it but this is yeah. but you kind of understand that this is who you are right like you're uh, way funnier live like you're an, i think like if i had to say this myself like you are one of the funniest live acts because i think your uh, your act is on stage it's not meant like if i see you today if i see you like tomorrow it's still a different version of you right so uh, isn't that hard at some point because when you when, when you're not able to convert on video mm-hmm. that must be is that disappointing yes so how do you um, make sense of it it's disappointing because i need to learn right i'm a professional so you can't just say oh this guy is amazing on the circuit as a driver but the moment he gets into like road racing he's horrible you have to adapt right so i'm a great live act thank you uh, i feel that's where i actually live and i uh, fall on my face flat sometimes because you're reading the crowd and a crowd like the crowd's energy right yes. uh, so sometimes it's awesome like sometimes it just doesn't click but when you're um, presenting to a larger non personal audience when i mean that i mean like a a netflix yeah you are working as a team with the cameraman the director director all that, all that. so you need to have um, discipline there when i mean discipline you need to like rehearse that set so well so it looks completely spontaneous mm. and mm. you need to script it to a point where people who are not with you in that room will still get the reference and that is um, kind of magic in itself mm. right so that's something i'm working on right um i still will completely do what i'm doing live because i think that's the charm of it yeah. but you have to sort of look at it as a step to expanding your uh, exposure right so that you have to do in a disciplined way when you're recording a content right but i think uh, also being a live act right they're just making your know, the emphasis on being funny on stage mm-hmm. gives you like an advantage where, where you can say things which are offensive right which and y'all you're like a dirty comic you're, you like yeah. you 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 say things which i mean you don't really give a shit about what you're saying so i'm not I, i don't like that brand because you don't like being called a dirty comic i mean i i, mean, I happen to be <laughs> dirty in the sense see, there are people who talk about like you know i i tell you what i i mean i have no problem with the the brand or the right. label but there are people who talk about like sick shit like you know like i mean i'm not saying like talking about you know humping someone on a period all that is fine i'm talking about like you know talking like you know like i've heard couple of jokes like go into the train compartment and then you like pick up shit with your hand i'm like yeah. it's gross yeah so that is dirty right um i think i just talk about whatever comes to my mind yeah um i don't like upsetting people i have huh. no problem offending people yeah because i think offense is great for self development Hmm. Uh if you can't take offense then you need to shut the fuck up and sit at home. Yeah because you're a really weak person. Not just with comedy with anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't just be offended all the time dude because then you're going to be like a protected child who's never going to learn learn from the world, you know? Correct. Um like being being not able to cross the road offends me. Can I do anything about it? No, I'll fucking get a cab and I'll go to the other side. <laughs> yes. Oh, figure a way around it, you know? Yeah. But um I think yeah, I don't limit myself to any particular thing of clean comic or dirty comic. or a dark comic or a, a offensive comic i think these are just uh, aspects of my material yeah but if something is but if something is funny and it might offend someone you will still stay you will yeah. still say yeah. right if you find it funny yeah yeah but do you don't you think like that's really easy to do on stage as opposed to um, being recorded and putting it up on uh, putting it up on the internet it's context right um 
I have a certain kind of upbringing, perspective, outlook on life. But a stupid cunt in Ranchi, I, I don't know I'm saying Ranchi. <laughs> yeah, from yesterday, yeah. right? <laughs> what happened about Ranchi? I just fucking hate that name. <laughs> just the name. Just fucking you, don't do a, you don't do a bad show at Ranchi. No, I never would go there. <laughs> <laughs> no or do you mean like someone from Ranchi who pissed I you off? Uncle lives there. Fuck, never meet him. <laughs> Is uh, that because you hate your uncle? <laughs> nah, I don't hate him. Yeah, he's, he's perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, but Ranchi. His daughter's name is Deepa, so she features in my set. <laughs> oh my god! Bad. Okay. So, um, I think uh, it's context, right? So obviously, the moment a guy sees a guy from a smaller town sees me speaking English fluently, and I, you know, I don't dress. uh to impress for a show but i dress well yeah yeah like i'm not i don't come to the show like a model yeah. you know that's not my job yeah but at the same time you're not wearing like flip flops yeah <laughs> so they automatically have this certain thing like even if you watch someone we have this uh, amazing ability as human beings to have preconceived notions mm. like we'll see that person for 2 minutes or hear that person for 1 second and you're like what a chute yeah for i hate him yeah <laughs> so i can't please the world right um now obviously the internet is such a cesspool for hate where everyone just wants to get I mean not controversial but just wants to like rant right. and sort of just have hate speech. Hmm. So I'm not going to be hateful to anyone. I'm not going to say hey guys let's hate midgets for the rest of our lives. No. <laughs> I'm not going to do that because it's not fair. So all my stories are personal. I will never generalize into a group. That's why I have a problem with identity politics, right? Okay. When I say in my story about how this midget interrupted my threesome, I'm not <laughs> saying all midgets interrupted. Yeah. And so this particular, do. yeah. And it's part of my story. So I say most people are little people. That's the name they want to be called by. Midgets want to be called little people, right? Yeah. But this guy was a fucking midget because little people are nice, but midgets are fucking assholes because they interrupt threesomes. So that's the bit I would, you know, develop there. Yeah. But the problem is the moment you give a label to a group. Yeah. Now if I put out something about being visually impaired, they're like, "How could you do this? My friend's blind. He got upset. Fuck it, dude. He's your friend. He's a different person." Yeah. You know. I'm talking about me. So it's very hard. That's why you look at the jokes which work on the internet. Ask safe shit. Yeah, exactly. It's which safe is safe shit about being middle class. Yeah, it's safe shit about like hating or uh, being against a popular figure. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's about hating Justin Bieber hmm. or how expensive his tickets are. I'm you know obviously alluding to Atul's video, <laughs> which is perfectly fine. It did well, but why is it doing well? If you want to analyze it, yeah, no one can get upset with that. You think Justin Bieber is going to be like, oh my god, he bitched about my concert? He's no, not going to see the video. Yeah, not going to see the video. So people want to be punched. uh want to watch being uh, watch things being punched up right right mm-hmm. and they all want to be in the same level of thought they want to be like hey we hate all Kodi, of us hate rahul gandhi hate people who will never watch the video yeah uh but honestly will these guys ever will uh, i'm just giving atul's example will atul ever do the joke in front of uh, justin bieber i don't know yep. but that joke he can do because right, yeah. it's very safe hmm. but now if i go around um you know in fact i have done my blind bits in front of blind people and mm. they my biggest the people who came they were the biggest supporters of the joke they were like it's hilarious <laughs> you know i mean that one guy in fact in edinburgh he came with his guide dog right and his wife he had two guide dogs that day um <laughs> <laughs> and nice. that guide dog actually was in my way i almost tripped on the fucker i'm like you're trying to sabotage my show and after the show we actually chilled had a beer he he, he sort of tagged me on instagram saying catch this guy he's fantastic so, so it's it's you can't generalize that people will get upset you know hmm. and you can't cater to that because you see you are supposedly in a, an art form which has the least kind of censorship and control of what mm. you can say because right. you're an individual with a mic yeah and i still believe in this like i will you know i haven't got to the position where i say netflix says don't put it up and i won't put it up i haven't got to that so i don't know what i'll do then right. but you have to learn 
And I don't want to sit here today on my high throne and say, fuck Netflix. No, of course, I have to be smart about that. Now, that comes to the other point. Will you be so much of a rebel and so much of a stickler to your thing saying, fuck it, I don't want any deal? No artist in his right sense will do that. Those are the artists who are rags right now. Pandering to an audience or selling out to an audience is when every joke written is like, oh my God, will this work in city A, city B, city C, city D? Will this work with this demographic age group of 18 to 20? Will it work between 20 to 25? Will it yeah. work with women? Will it work with men? Will it work with the transgender community? Will it work with gays? Uh, will it work with lesbians? And then next, will it work with uh, uh, North Indians, South Indians, East Indians, West Indians? Will it work with... If you do that, you're fucking going to die. Yeah. It's, don't do comedy. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, the authenticity of being Rupin or Sandeep. That is what people want to watch. Hmm. And if you don't have that... That's just fucking selling out. Hmm. See, when people, you, people also use the word selling out very easily. Like, oh, he did a corporate for 50K. He sold out. That's not selling out, dude. You're trying to make a career. You need to have money, right? Correct. And even like uh, Dave Chappelle, see, use him as an example. He felt like making that third season of Chappelle's show yeah. would be selling out because he's not being authentic to himself. He's doing something which the um, organization, the broadcast, uh, I think it was whatever, and, uh, Comedy Central, is telling him to be more racist. Or right. getting into that shell, that's selling out in his opinion. And he didn't do it. He gave up a $50 million deal that he didn't sell out. Yeah, but I also feel like, you know, I think one of the things in this industry is because you, you struggled so much in the first couple of years, right? First and 20 years. Dude. The first 20 years. Yeah, yeah the we're, first not, we're not struggling at all. So we're, we're hardly like in like year mm-hmm. eight. That's like, I think the most senior comic would be like, like year eight or so. I think he's been doing it for like 14 years now. For 14 years. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, that's nothing. Like, I mean, it is a lot of time and respect for that. Yeah. But like we see people like Kenny or uh, Biswa, Kanan, and like, oh my God, they're making so much money. at uh, That's, dude, that's just a break because they have the right place at the right time and they got mm-hmm. the right exposure at the right time. They yeah. got picked up by OML at the right time. Yeah. And that's why, but that's a, that's not the rule. That is an exception to the rule. Correct. Like for every Kanan, there are, you know, there should be thousands of the comics struggling. And Correct. Uh, so the thing is, another point when it comes to selling out, right? Uh, see, Jim Jeffries got picked up now by uh, his own show, right? The right. Jim Jeffries show. On Comedy Center. So, yeah. Did he sell out? No, because he did adapt a little bit for that f- format of that medium. But he still says a shit in his own style. But how important do you think it is to say no in this business? Uh, it's all relative. Because after a point, right, when you struggle so much and then you see like so much of money and then you make a little bit of money, then people want you to make more money because they can get more percentages off it. And then see, at what the point? The, you want the two things I'm going to address here. One is you're an individual and that's usually a stand-up comedian. But I've been doing this alone and I've been managing to support uh, a family, my wife and my dog. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's definitely got its limitations of how much I can grow. Because the bigger you have to become, the bigger your team has to become. Right, right. You need to have an agent, a manager, uh, a booker, a video promoter, team, a booker, yeah. you need to have a, all those things. And then you make more money, but you give more money away. Because Correct. Because you're sharing that with more people. Correct. So it's all your choice, right? If you want to get that bigger, that much bigger, you have to do those many things. Uh, the second point, now say for instance, you've come to a, a mark in your career where you quote one lakh for a show. Right. Right. And you're getting 10 of those a month. Now, will you just say no to the 11th because you have 10 lakhs? If that's your goal, fair enough. Say you put 10 lakhs as your margin or your goal for the month. Correct. Then you say no because you just want to work more. That's your personal call. Correct. Right? Uh, at the same time, you say I might just take as many because next month might not, might not be as good. Right. Now, these are calls you take individually. But at the same time, if you do a show for a lakh, that's your rate. But someone says, hey, you know, come on, man, good exposure, come on. And you're desperate, right? You have no shows that month. Yes. Will you do it for 20,000? No, because that's not respecting what you've done so far. You've worked to charge you one lakh. And of course, see, if you're worth 10,000 in your opinion, like uh, say for instance, you've been doing it for six months and you feel, oh my God, you know, Sanjay charged like five lakhs. I have the right to charge like 
one uh, you know 2 lakhs hmm. you don't i'm sorry you don't <laughs> yeah you yeah. don't uh, you need to sometimes you will charge a little bit more because you feel you have more and yeah no one's going to undervalue themselves right great so if you charge one you actually might be worth 80 because hmm. th- that is where you negotiate the discount right right if right. you quote 1.5 you will settle for 1.25 because that's your margin for uh dealing negotiating with the client no one's going to give you a price yes. unless they're really like sweet <laughs> <laughs> so you say no when your brand and you are being disrespected by the person who's just shopping for the cheapest comedian right that's a i think that's a very good answer and uh, so now uh, it's been like 8 years in right and you've you've done shows across like how many countries were About fourteen, I think. About fourteen countries, right? And maybe so, no, so how have you made sense of this? Let's say fourteen actually mean like five. This is where I inflate you. Know? <laughs> But no one's going to verify it, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's going to be some cunt out there. <laughs> my one of my three fans. <laughs> But he was not. He was never in Djibouti. <laughs> Djibouti. It's like Ranchi in fucking Africa. <laughs> We're back to Ranchi hating. Fucking cunts. <laughs> yeah. So how have you made? That's my new set. About Ranchi. Now special. I fucking hate Ranchi. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great special, dude. <laughs> Let's get Ranchi. <laughs> Wow, I saw what you did there. Um, Terrible pun. Yeah, but great. Uh, but so uh, now, since it's been eight years, how you made sense of your career? Still making sense of it. Yeah. Um, I learned. I failed. I, uh, you know, if you actually look at it, I mean, with level of uh, experience and time put into it, I should be, according to the definition of Indian success, I should be up there. Right. With views and followers. Uh, obviously, I did some things wrong. I didn't uh, maybe play the social media game well. I didn't put up enough videos in time, and I didn't make my videos with the right kind of um, thought into it. Right. You know, I didn't uh, plan it out well. I didn't script it out well. So yeah, I did uh, put up four videos, which were shot very badly. I took them down. Right. So yeah, you definitely. If I done everything right, no. Uh, what I have done right is, I've done what I. Uh, I have no regrets when it comes to what I've done. Maybe I have certain regrets with what I didn't do, or what I did badly with uh, certain video things. But every uh, you know, obviously, I've had some bad live shows as well because it's just human. Um, I think I can uh, a couple of learnings is I have to adapt to certain mediums. I have to be more uh, conscious about um, the marketing of myself. I have to be more um, disciplined when it comes to performance. Um, and yeah, I just have to be more uh, sensible about exposing my material, like more exposure on the market. Right. But um, I've never tweeted. For the sake, I, I tried these things, right? I would I can never say never because there are certain tweets out there which I'm not proud of. Uh, but I've never done the thing. You just tweet about Ranchi, man. Yeah, dude, I think that should be the future. Yeah, they go trending by tomorrow. <laughs> Hashtag Ranchi. Anyway, but um, like I've never like you know there's some people like, I I got into comedy because I never wanted to be told what I should do to become famous. Yeah, I mean then again you know you consult with people from YouTube or Facebook how to get these certain things in aligned with your uh, videos. But um, I can't go on Twitter every day, see what's trending, and make a joke about it. Hmm. That's just not my style, you know. I can do a joke about it, but I don't feel the need to. Is that because you want to be like different from? I don't. It's not a conscious effort to be different because I mean, that now is a cool thing, right? I just am who I am, and I think just trying to come to terms with me as an individual, trying to be authentic, uh, if you want to use that word, as an individual, be true to myself and be true to my friends, and uh, ho- hopefully be true to my fans as well. Yeah, and that way you don't become an asshole as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, see, being an asshole is fine if that's who you are. But like, for the sake of being that brand as a dark, edgy comic, yeah, no shit. Because I mean, people are dumb; they see through your act, man. <laughs> yeah, like edgy comedy, huh. people just see one guy doing it, be like, "Oh my god, he's so edgy." No, he's not. Like, you need to have hundred edgy comics, then like, be 
the person who decides what's edgy, right? One yeah. guy is just using like uh, shock comedy as edgy comedy. It's not going to work. Hmm. If you only see Peter Russell's and come and expect <laughs> that, then you're. A, I mean, no, no, it's not your personal choice. But don't first of all come and try to be the person who gives you uh, criticism or feedback. Like Peter Russell's does like that. You should do like that. No, fuck off, dude. Watch hundred comedians and say you know. And I like having conversations with people like that who watched. Or a lot of this from like uh, what's his name, David Tell yeah. to uh, Doug Stanhope to yeah. all the comics uh, like Hannah Gatsby. They've seen uh, different genres of comedy, and then they want to have a conversation about it because people who see more with anything in in life, hmm. the more you're exposed to, the more aware you are, the more knowledgeable knowledgeable you are about everything in that field. You can't just watch Metallica and say that's heavy metal. They're one of the heavy metal bands which yes. have a mark, a made yeah. an impact. So that's what I tell people: don't be blind to. Uh, the world, yeah. In the sense, have a perspective, and you can have an opinion. No doubt about it. I had an opinion last year, which changed today. Maybe because of I, I I'm, uh, I've grown up a little bit more. I've read more on the issue, so maybe I was wrong. And you should be okay to admit that you're wrong. Yes. In life, yeah. Because then it's going to be a much better place to live in. Yeah. If everyone thinks they're right, it's going to be fucked up. <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> and the same thing with being happy all the time, right? It's just everyone wants to be happy all the you time. You can't be happy all the time. Yeah, because if you're happy all the time, then you won't know what happiness is. Yeah, I think you only really know what happiness is when you're fucking miserable and crying. Yeah, you yeah. Like, I wanted to be happy like last week. Yeah, then fucking work on it. Otherwise, <laughs> jump off. You can't. I'll go to ranch. I'll go to ranch. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> only my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Sandeep, Thank for you, being bro. on the podcast. The Thank you so much. All right, that was Sandeep Rao. For those of you who want to follow Sandeep, you can follow him on Sophie Rao on Twitter, Sandeep Rao Comedian on Facebook, Sandeep Rao on Instagram. And for those of you who want to catch him live and watch Sandeep do a show, you can do that this Friday where he's going to perform at the Druid Garden. Tickets are on Book My Show. Look it up. The 10th of August, this Friday, Druid Garden, Sandeep Rao is going to be performing live. Go catch a show. I am sure you'll have a great time. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back with a new episode next Wednesday.